Okay, we're up to the beginning of the 10th parak in Dafsamach Vyov, Amit Bey is the bottom line. So the Mishnah is dealing with the concept of Hafaris Nadarim. What this means is like this. Um, a father, if a woman makes a nether and she's under bat mitzvah, or she's above bat mitzvah but till 12 and a half and she's single, the hus- the father can be made for the nether. If the father hears the nether, he could be mekayim it by saying, I accept the nether, or he could nullify the nether. Once a girl is married, fully married, Nisuin, then her husband can be made for the nether. The Mishnah is now describing what happens if she had after Kedushin, meaning she's under 12 and a half, so she's technically still in the father's jurisdiction, but she had Kedushin already. So when she has Nisuin, she leaves her father's jurisdiction, enters her husband's jurisdiction. But over here, she had Kedushin. So says the Mishnah, Naira HaMerasa, if you have a girl who did Kedushin, but she's under 12 and a half, she's a Naira. So the halacha is, She needs both the father and the husband to revoke the vows. But says, and the Mishnah clarifies, If the father revokes the vow, and the husband does not, or or if the husband revokes the vow, but the, hus- the father does not, it's nothing. So basically the Mishnah is sort of repeating itself. The Mishnah says you need both, and then it says, if one does without the other, it's no good. And all the more so if one of them confirms the vow that it's definitely a valid vow. So you need both to revoke the vow. So the Gemara asks an obvious kasha, which is the Mishnah says that you need the father and the husband, and then the Mishnah says, and if the father does without the husband, the husband does without the father, it's not a good revocation. So the question is, that's, yeah, that's obvious. You told me you need both, and it means obviously if one does it, then it's not enough. So the Gemara says, Hainu Reisha. When the Mishnah speaks out that if one of them is Mepha the Nadarim without the other, it's not good. Isn't that just an extension of the first halacha? The first halacha is that you need both. So obviously if you need both, and one is not enough. So the Gemara says, So the Gemara explains like this, The reason why you need the second part of the Mishnah is because the first part of the Mishnah is that you need both. But the Lushan of the Mishnah was... The Lushna of the Mishnah was Naira Avia Ubailam if you're in that the father and the husband, you could have read it as or the father or the husband. Therefore the Mishnah is clarifying it's not or, it's and you need both. And if one does it, it's not enough. Okay. Then the Mishnah ended off by saying if one of them if one of them is Mayfar the the Nadar, it's not enough. And Kavachoimer, Kolshikain all the more so if one of them confirms the nether it's definitely not good so the question is if you need both to nullify the vow then of course if one is one confirms the vow of course it's not nullified if you need both to nullify then it, and if one of them does nullify the other one you can't find it's no good so you have to tell me that if one of them confirms the vow it's also not the vow is valid of course the vow is valid so the Gemara says why do you have to teach me this if one of them confirms uh, nullifies the vow without the other it's no good you need both so you have to tell me that if one of them confirms the vow that it's a confirmation that the vow is valid of course the vow is valid it's 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 incredibly posh so why does the Mishnah have to tell me that if one of them confirms the vow, it's considered a valid vow? So the Gemara says, here's the case. The case of the Mishnah is, going to You have the father and the husband. One of them nullifies the vow, and one of them confirms the vow. But the one that confirmed the vow then, the one who confirmed the vow went to a Rav to be matanedah to remove his confirmation. So you have the father says the vow is nullified, bottle. 
The husband says, no, it's a good vow. But then the husband has charata, he goes to a rabbi, and he does hatar sedorim on his confirmation, he removes the confirmation, removes it retroactively. So you might think, so you might think the husband, so again, the father nullified the vow. The husband said, no, it's a good vow, but then he, he go to a rav and undid that. So you might think the husband now can, can nullify the vow and you have the father and the husband nullifying the vow. Kamashmala, no, it's no good. Because in between the both nullifications there was a confirmation, it's two separate. Meaning, it's not that the husband and the father have to nullify the vow at the exact same time. But it has to be that there's nothing in between. Because the father nullified the vow but the husband confirmed it, even if he removes the confirmation, it's too late. That's the Chiddush of the Mishnah. Okay, now to understand the rest of the daf, what you have to understand is like this: There's a whole parish in the Torah. There's a whole parish in the Torah in Bamidbar Parak Lamid about the husband and the father removing vows, and the basic flow of the psukim is like this: It's split into three parshios. You have pasuk Dalid Tavav is describing how a single girl the father nullifies. Okay, then you have the third parsha, I'm skipping the middle. You have Vav to Zion. Vav, uh, Dalit to Vav, 4 to 6, is the father nullifying the vow of a single girl. Then you have 11 to 13. Yud Aleph to Yud Gimel is that a husband nullifies the vow of a Nesuin, a full wife. In between that, you have the Psukim of Pasuk 7 to 9, which is Zion to Tess, is ambiguous. Zion to Tess is an ambiguous parsha, and it describes the husband nullifying. But here's the thing. The first parsha is the father. The third parsha is the husband. So what is the middle parsha? The middle parsha is talking about the husband, but it's above. It's connecting to the first. First is father, ambiguous, husband. So if the father is already covered and the husband is already covered, that middle parsha, the Gemara says, it must be referring to needing both. That you need the husband and you need the father. And it must be talking about a woman who's under 12 and a half who had Kedushin. How do I know that a girl after Kedushin, that, how do I know that she needs nullification from both the father and the husband? So, Amar Amarkra, the middle parsha, the Pasuk says, that if a man, uh, if, if a woman will be to a man, meaning she's somehow married, and she has Nadarim, and the husband will revoke the Nadarim. Now again, the problem is, so although the Pasuk only describes the husband, but because it's connected to the previous parasha with Avav, it means that it's referring to both, she needs to be revoked, the husband and the father. The middle parasha. So the Gemara says, how do you know? Maybe the middle parasha is talking about a married woman, and the only one that nullifies it is the husband. How do you know that it's both? So the answer is, I'll tell you why. Again, there's three parashiyas. The first one is the is the father. Let's put that aside. The middle is ambiguous. We're saying that means father and husband. So the Gemara says, how do you know? Maybe the middle one is just the husband, because there's the third parasha. The third parasha clearly delineates that the husband is made for the nadarim. So what do you need the second one for? It must be the second one is talking about a woman after Kedushin, and the husband and the father both need to nullify. So the Gemara says, no. Ema Trevai Benesua. Really, maybe the second and third parashios are both talking about the same thing. And that's a full married woman after Nesuin, and the husband nullifies it only. So you're going to say to yourself, then why do you need two parashiyos to tell you one halacha? So really, we don't have a source that a woman after Kedushin, the husband can nullify. Maybe it's just the father, let's say. 
And you're going to say, well, then what are the two parashiyas talking about? One parasha, they're both talking about a woman after Nisun. And they're both telling you the same thing, which is that a husband can nullify the vows. So you're going to say to yourself, so why do you need why do you need both parashiyas to tell you the exact same thing? The answer is, One is to tell you that the husband can nullify the vows. And one is to tell you that the husband cannot nullify vows that were taken place before she got married. Meaning, she could only nullify, he could only nullify vows that took place after she got married. So, one is to tell you that he could nullify the vows. And one, and one is to tell you that he cannot nullify the vows that took place before they were married. So the Gemara says, go to the next page. The Gemara says, Why do you need both? Again, one is to tell you that you can nullify vows, and one is to tell you you cannot nullify vows from before the marriage. That's unnecessary. Once you tell me that a husband cannot nullify vows from before the marriage, I could deduce, but he could nullify vows that took place after the marriage. You don't need two psukim to tell you that. One pasuk to tell you that he could nullify vows, and one pasuk to tell you he cannot nullify vows from before marriage. If all you tell me is that a husband cannot nullify vows from before marriage, I will figure it out. Right? You tell someone, he can't nullify vows from before marriage. Okay, so what could he do? He can nullify vows from post-marriage. Oh, so you see the husband can nullify vows. We need two for it. must be one is for the husband to nullify the vows after Nesuit, and it must be one of them is after Kedushin, the middle parsha, and it's a combination of the husband and the father, as it must be. Okay. That's the first explanation of how you know the middle parsha is talking about a girl after Kedushin, and the nullification is from both the father and the husband. So the Gemara is another answer, Iba Yisema, to have a Kedushin mashmara, simple, very simple. That the Pasuk says, Im The middle parsha has a Hayay Siyah Sia is a Lushan Kedushan. It means it's talking about Kedushan. See, the middle parsha is talking about Kedushan, and therefore the nullification is from both the father and the husband. So the Gemara is Akasha. Av All you see is that the second parsha is talking about a girl after Kedushan. How do you know that the nullification takes place from both? Let's go through the options. Maybe it's just the father. Maybe just the father. How do you know that she needs both? Maybe just the father. So the Gemara says very simple. I'll tell you why. Again, there's three parashiyas. The first one is that a husband, a father can nullify a single girl's vows. The second one is saying it's a girl after Kedushan. And you want to say that after Kedushan, the father can nullify it alone. So... If the father can nullify his daughter after she had Kedushin, why do you need the first parsha? The first parsha is that the father can nullify the vows when she's single. The second one is that the father can nullify the vows when she after Kedushin. If you tell me that a father can nullify the vows even after she had Kedushin, isn't it incredibly pushing that he can nullify the vows when she's single? What do you need that for? So it can't be, it must be the middle parsha. It cannot be that the father alone can nullify the vows. Can't be. So Mara says, okay, you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe the father needs the husband. Meaning, if the father nullifies the vows, no good, unless the husband also signs off. They both need the keys to, you know, to lock. But, maybe the husband alone can nullify. Meaning, maybe the father needs the husband, but the husband doesn't need the father. So if the father wants to nullify, he needs the husband to sign off. But if the husband signs off, that's enough, strong enough. So like the father is like a 50%, and the husband is like a 100%. So if the father needs to do Atar Sadar and wants to be made for the nether, he needs the husband to sign off. But maybe the husband alone. So maybe the second parasha is Taka talking about a girl after Kedushin. But you don't need both. You only need both if the father wants to nullify. But if the husband wants to nullify, Kenzan, that's enough. So the Gemara says, and if you're going to say, so, okay, so the middle parasha is telling you 
it's talking about the husband, but as I mentioned, it also says the vav, which connects it to the first parsha, which is the which is the father. So you're going to tell me that the father needs the husband, the husband doesn't need the father. And if you're going to say, well, if the father needs the husband. So why is the father being mentioned in the parsha at all? Why is the father even referenced with the vav connecting to that parsha? Why is he referenced at all if he can't do it on his own? Maybe it's to tell you not that he could do ataras adarim because Hitaka needs the husband to sign off, but he could. But if he accepts the nether, it is a good acceptance. If he's mekayim the nether, then it's taka. Then you can't do ataras adarim anymore. But we're back to the original question, which back to the question, which is that maybe the mill parsha. Is telling you that the father needs the husband, but the husband doesn't need the father. So the Gemara says, I'll tell you very simple. I'll tell you why it can't be. You're telling me that a possibility that the second parasha is that the father needs the husband, but the husband doesn't need the father. The husband can nullify the vows on his own. What's the third parasha? The third parasha is that the husband can nullify the vows of his wife after Nisuin. So you're telling me the second parasha is that the husband can nullify the vows after Kedushin. The third parasha is that the husband can nullify the vows after Nisun. What do you need both for? Once you have the second parasha, that if you're telling me that the second parasha is telling you that the father, that the husband can nullify the vows of his wife after Kedushin on its own, doesn't even need the father to sign off. On his own, he could do it. So do you really need to tell me that the, the, the third parasha, that the husband can nullify the vows of his wife after Nisuin? If he can nullify the vows after Kedushin, of course he can nullify the vows after Nisuin. So why is it necessary? So Gemara says, oh, okay, one last point. Maybe the two parashas is like this. One is to tell you that the, the husband can nullify the vows after Nisuin. And one is to tell you after Kedushin. You're going to say to yourself, so once I know that he could do after Kedushin, why do I need to tell me to do after Nisuin? It's to tell you that after Nisuin he could nullify, but he can't nullify vows that took place from before Nisuin. So the Gemara says, Umina, okay, but then shouldn't I be able to figure that out on its own? Meaning, Orus Mefar Bekoidman. Meaning, you're telling me what. what So you're telling me that the husband after Nesuin cannot nullify the vows that took place before, but the husband after Kedushin could? That doesn't make any sense. If you're telling me that the purpose of the last Pasuk is to tell you, really, that the husband can nullify the vows that took place only after Nesuin, but the things that she took place when she was single are no good, so you deduce from this that what? Only after Nisuin can he not nullify vows that took place when she was single. But after Kedushin he could? That doesn't make any sense. So why would... Meaning if the purpose of the Torah is to teach you... It's very simple. You have two parashias here. One is to tell you the husband can nullify the vows after Nisuin, and one is to tell you after Kedushin, potentially. So you're going to say, well, once I know he could do it after Kedushin, what do you need the Pasuk about after Nisuin? The answer is, I to tell you that after Nisuin he can nullify, but he can't nullify vows that took place when she was single. Why would I need the parsha? of Nisuin to teach me that. If you're going to teach me that, teach me by Kedushin. That after Kedushin he could do it, but not that it took place when she was single. If you learn it out from the Parsha of Nisuin, it's not clear. Why? Because you'll say to yourself, yeah, after Nisuin he can't nullify, but he can, but he, he can nullify after Nisuin, but not when she was single. But after Kedushin he could nullify when she was single. It doesn't make any sense. Meaning, after Nisuin is not the place to teach you this. It's two, this, this steps in between. So it must be La Mishim Shatusvidarab. It must be what we've proven is like this. You have three parishes. The one is the husband. One is the first one is the father. The father can nullify the vows 
after uh, that the father can nullify the vows when she's single. The third parasha is that the husband can nullify the vows when after Nesuin, which leaves the middle parasha to teach you one halacha, one halacha only, and that is after Kedushin, you need the father and the husband. Every other uh, permutation is unnecessary. All right, we'll stop here. We'll pick it up on Sunday.